This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Marketing Profs. Do you have the right stuff? Unleash your inner writer by downloading the latest Marketing Profs Marketing Writing Kit for free. You'll find it in the show notes, but you can go to mprofs.com forward slash duct tape. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance, and my guest today is Bernadette Jiwa, an Australian business blogger and brand strategist for entrepreneurs around the world. We're going to talk to her. It's really morning for her. It's evening for me because she's in Australia, in Perth, Australia. Uh, she's also the author of a great little book called Make Your Idea Matter, Stand Out with a Better Story. So, Bernadette, uh, good morning. Good evening. I was just about to say good morning. You almost caught me there. <laughs> so, and and you have a, this all really started in many ways um, with your blog, thestoryoftelling.com, didn't it? It did. Um, I've built a really nice little following on this blog for the past two years. And last year, my blog was voted as the best Australian business blog. And people really asked me to do something that they can have in their hands. So hence, hence my book. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've, um, there, there are a number of people that have very successfully, in fact, there was kind of a period there for <clears throat> seemed like four or five years where all the publishers were rushing to anybody who had a blog and uh, or you know when when blogs f- first started really taking off and uh, mm. and really encouraging people to turn books into blogs it's a uh, it's a little um i think it's a little different process isn't it than uh, than maybe of course you don't maybe have anything to compare it to but i would guess it's a little different process than somebody who sits down and says here's my big idea i'm going to write a book it's a totally different process, and uh, I'm learning about that now because I'm I'm writing about my big idea right now. So I'm into my second book. So, um, you know, some people start with the big idea and do it that way. If you think about Seth Godin as one, you know, writing permission marketing and then going and people saying, we'd love to have your blog posts in yeah. a book and then smaller than you big. So there are different ways to approach it. I, I think um, – this format with where you take your blog and convert it to a book, I think a lot of people like that nowadays because its attention spans are shrinking yeah. and they like to have one idea that they can, you know, hook onto or implement in their business. So that's really worked for my book. Yeah, it's, it's like um, a series of nuggets that you could, you could flip the book open anywhere and, and, you know, read for five minutes and get something. That that's the idea, and I think pe- that's what people like. It's not for everybody, of course, um, and lots of people like to go to dive deep into into one big idea. Um, but that's the beauty of you know the market and listening to what people want, I guess. So, so you um, maybe we should go backwards a little bit. I'd love to hear a little bit about you know. Obviously, you didn't just drop onto the marketing world eighteen months ago. Um, so, I'd love to hear a little bit about what led you to where you are now. Um, okay. Let me just wind back. And you don't have to go, you don't have to go back to grade school or anything. We can, you know, just. I've done lots of Unless it's really exciting. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's, it's interesting and it's interesting in the light of, um, you know, 
you and I admire Seth's work. And it's interesting, the light of the Icarus deception, when, when I think about how, um, you know, picking yourself is relevant. So I've, I've been entrepreneurial and start kitchen table businesses in the UK with friends and things like that. And when I came to Australia, um, I guess, and, and discovered Seth seven years ago, I guess I got really passionate about, uh, you know, how ideas spread and why some businesses thrive and other ones don't survive and started, you know, deep, deep diving into all the thinking around that love marks, um, uh, Kevin Roberts and advertising and marketing. And really I'm self-taught, I guess. So I've just immersed myself in in um, in this industry and just I'm so passionate about helping people succeed with their ideas. Well, well let's um, I want to get into the uh, several of the really great nuggets of the book. Um, and again, one of the challenges with a book like this is I could just kind of jump, bounce back, <laughs> you know, back and forth. But mm. I want to give people a sense of a couple of the things I really appreciated. But I want to back up a little bit to um, because many of my listeners are bloggers or want to be bloggers or I'm you know still still working on them to get them to know that they should be blogging um, tell me mm. a little bit about your process for uh, this is a question I get all the time how do I know, yeah. you know what should I write you know um, and, and again uh, there uh, there I have a very set prescription for a lot of business owners but I'd love to hear your point of view of how you kind of decide what you are going to write is it a daily thing? Or is it something you have mapped out for months? I'd love to hear your process. Uh, I write every day. I, I don't necessarily draft everything that I write into my um, into a blog post, but I think the the most important thing is to practice. And when you're thinking about ideas, when people are thinking about ideas for their blogs, it's interesting that people think you're going to run out of ideas. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing, inspiration for me is to notice things. And, you know, your listeners who are in business, they they see what's wrong with other businesses or they see what's going on in the world. And I think just a commentary on what you notice and working out, um, you know, what's the problem in that in that process or in that thing that I'm noticing and working out how that might be solved or just explaining that to people or helping other people to see what you see. Uh, that's how it works for me. So you don't use any kind of editorial calendar or, or sort of a planned out, oh, I need to write about this this month because I haven't written about it? Not at all, John. Yeah. And I, I, do, I do post three times a week. Yeah. I think it's important for people to know when you're going to show up. And, and I didn't start with that you know, editorial calendar, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to show up three times a week, but that's the groove I've gotten into. That's what I can, um, you know, manage uh, around my business. Uh, but I do have lots of, you know, as soon as I get an idea, it goes into drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got lots of not, you know, um, it could be 70 to a hundred any one time of ideas in there that can be expanded upon. Um, yeah, yeah, that's how yeah, it and, works, I, and I'm not suggesting there is a right way. I, I'm, I'm really more curious about exploring all the different ways that people 
uh, approach it. Because again, um, one of the things a lot of times I think people, the mistake people make is that they think, oh, I have to blog a certain way because that's how you blog. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it really comes down to the blog is just a tool to meet your objectives. So what are your, what are your objectives? You know, then that's we, right. <laughs> then we can uh, fit- when, when, when I think about, you know, the different styles of blogging, I mean, we're, there's a lot of focus on how do I do that thing right. or how, right. the how to. And I think you've just touched on on something really important there is you, you need to understand why you're doing it before you start working out how you're going to do it. Um, so if somebody was to come onto my blog and start breaking it down and critiquing it, they would say, well, your headlines are not built for SEO and they're not built for sharing. And then, you know, I'd right. be, I know that if I want to post to be shared, I can, I just have to put a headline that says the 10 ways to or how to do this. And I rarely ever do that um, because I, I want to build something sustainable over time. I'm not just going for a certain type of person who's going to come today and be gone tomorrow. So it depends on your strategy for your business, I think, yep. and, and what your audience really wants. Yep. Absolutely. So let's let's dive into a little um, some of the content of the book. But but I guess um, again, because I've written several books, I know a lot of uh, my listeners either have or would like to or or thinking about mm. it. Uh, you chose to self publish um, the, the, this book, and I, uh, so which makes you now an expert in self publishing. Um, That's right. <laughs> so, so I'd love to hear kind of your take on. Uh, I, I get asked this frequently now. You know which which one's better? Which should I go? And I don't. Again, I fall into the camp of I don't think there is a better approach necessarily, but I'd love to hear what your your take is. And I guess since you're writing a second book, maybe maybe you are taking the same approach or a different approach. Um, my approach with this one was uh, I want to get the ideas out there. People are asking for it. I don't want to spend uh, six months writing a proposal, getting an agent, um, then, you know, having the agent to look for somebody to publish the book. And then, you know, maybe we're another 18 months down the track. So for me, it was a case of getting the idea out there and, and enabling people to do something with it. And that's why I chose to self-publish this one. That's not to say I wouldn't go with traditional publisher uh, for something else I would publish in the future. But I think for for people, um, some of the people in your audience, it, it's it's not a bad thing to go through this process and work out what's valuable in your content and just put it out there and let the market decide whether um, it's something that they need. Yeah, and and, and I think mm-hmm. that a lot of it comes down to you know what do you have to say? Is it worth saying? Who yeah. are you trying to say it to? What's the what, what's the objective for the book? I mean, those are all the things that I think really factor in. But I always your book has has been uh, I think by a lot of measures very successful, um, and and so it's it certainly shows that it can be done. It can be done, and you know it doesn't have to. The the disadvantages, of course, are that you don't have distribution in a, in a traditional bookstore. So that lots of people want that. They want to see their book in Barnes & Noble. So, again, it goes back to your strategy for your business sure. and what you want the book to do for your audience and then what you, what you hope the book will do for, for you and, and how it will position you in your career. Yep. So the, the, the title, Make Your Idea Matter, 
um, yeah. is really, or at least, I mean, you, you spend a lot of time talking about this thing called branding, mm. which for, yeah. for a lot of small business owners is either a confusing term or a term that they feel doesn't apply because that's, you know, that's, that's what Procter & Gamble does or something. So, mm. so how would you, in the context of a small business in particular, how, how would you define, if some, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, what is branding? To me, your brand is your story. And the story is what takes you from out of the, it stops you being a commodity. So if you don't have a story, then you're just a commodity. And if you're just a commodity, people can replace you tomorrow with somebody faster or cheaper. So your story, your, your story and your brand are to me the same thing. And they are what encourage people to be loyal to you, to care about you. And it's your story is how you change how people feel about your brand. So get more specific with this idea of story. Because, you know, again, a lot of times people think, oh, you mean where I came from, what I did? Uh, I, I get, well, I know for a fact that, <laughs> that, uh, that you're talking about it in a more expansive way than that. So you want to talk about what, you know, what are the elements of a good brand story? Oh, now that's what I'm wor- working on. That's my next book, which is, it, it's great to be able to talk to you a little bit about this. So there's a lot of talk out there about brand storytelling at the moment. And I, I think that people are confused. They think that it's just about, you know, the copy they write on their website. It's just about a narrative. It's just about their backstory. And that is all part of it. But your story in, in as I define it, is made up of 20 elements. And that starts with the truth about what you're doing, the truth about what your customer needs. It's, it's also things like the visual, the design, um, your, your logo, your name, your, your mission, your vision. If you think about a company like, and I'm using Apple, I know everybody uses it, but they're easy to understand it's very easy to see their story and how they changed how people feel about something like a piece of technology with their design, with their company values, uh, with their attitude of not compromising on certain things. Um, does that help? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, but I, I think that I think that that there's a lot of confusion around that word story right now because it's, yeah. it's a really hot topic in marketing. And I think people, you know, they think of a story as, oh, tell me about the characters and this. And, you know, they think of that as a story, but it's really every element is part of the story. I, I actually, do you have Whole Foods in Australia? We don't. don't. Okay. We but, don't, you're familiar, but I know you're of them. Yes, them. Okay. I do. So yeah. I had yeah. the, the opportunity to have the CEO of Whole Foods, uh, John Mac, yeah. uh, McKee on, uh, he just has a, a, a book out called Conscious Capitalism. And yeah, uh, he was on my, uh, interviewed him today, as a matter of fact. And we were talking about this very thing, and and you know, for Whole Foods, I think they're they're a great example of this. Um, you know, their customers are actually mm. part of their brand because, exactly. they, and and I don't just mean because of the way they buy, but who they are, what they believe. When you go into a Whole Foods, you know, they're they, you know, there's there's almost it's almost a joyful experience because everybody seems to be so happy to be there, and I think mm. that's a really big part of their story. That's right. And that's one of the things, that's one of the elements that I'm incorporating into my next book. So we think that we're in control of the story. In actual fact, our customers get to write the ending of the yeah, story. Especially nowadays because, because they Absolutely. have all these tools too. <laughs> if, I, if I'm now booking a hotel 
uh, anywhere in the world. The first, and I just did a big six week trip. Uh, the first place I go to is TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. I don't go to booking.com or anywhere where I can make the booking. Yeah. I go to TripAdvisor and I see what other people are saying, what their customers are saying about them. Um, so, you know, your customers yeah. are a huge part of the story and you need to figure that in. Yeah. So, um, I grabbed a couple of the, uh, I guess we'll call them chapters that are <laughs> that are the the, the yeah. posts that are made, and I just want to kind of throw them out there and have you talk about a couple of them. So one of them that I completely believe, um, and I'd love to hear you just expand on this: the the idea of well designed moments uh, build brands. Okay, that's oh, I've got a great story about that. So I consulted with. Um, a client last week and we were just getting into what she does and what her brand is about. And then she started sharing this story with me about how she'd been to uh, a hotel and she, she was checking in and she asked them where was the drugstore at nearest drugstore because she wanted to buy some Epsom salts. She had a sore back and she wanted to soak in the bath. Long story short, I think you, you know what's going to happen. She checked into a room and about an hour later, somebody came and knocked on the door and there there was a tray, compliments of the hotel with chocolates and a bottle of water and a handwritten note from the one of the people at the reception and the and a box of the of the Epsom salts. Yeah. And, you know, a completely personal, in time uh, piece of marketing that you couldn't script, but that somebody designed because their their business enabled them to do that gave them the flexibility to do that and enable them to respond to somebody in real time as a human being so that's when I talk about well-designed moments I think we've all got the opportunity to do that every single day without any big huge strategy in place yeah and that's and what's so great about that too is that's the stuff that people talk about I mean every element of that hope hotel could have been you know exactly perfect just you know beyond anything that that you know you could dream of but those were all sort of expectations getting this little box of five dollars and 97 cents epsom salt was not an expectation and that's what i'm going to go out and talk about that's exactly right you've hit the nail on the head with the expectations things because we now expect everything to be you know as near on perfect so it's I think people think it's really hard to amaze and delight and surprise people. Actually, it's not that hard because I, I think business is becoming so automated that the human connection thing has been stripped out of it. So if you do something like that that's completely unexpected, it just blows people away. Yeah, it does. So uh, I'm, I want to move on to another one um, because I think this is really a, a great I'm not saying it's easy, but it's certainly something that we ought to all strive for. Create what people can't live without. Mm. Um, and that's that's another interesting one. When you think about uh, how how you might do that, I mean, Starbucks is to me a classic example of you know a brand that completely reinvented a category. Uh, people will drive you know, past several coffee places or walk past several coffee places to go to the Starbucks because that's that's become part of their story. So the 
when you think about creating something that people can't live without, it's it's about becoming part of your customer's story, not just telling them the story, becoming part of their story. And, you know, ev- I think everybody's got their favorite brands that they just wouldn't switch from or businesses that they go to every day and they go there for their own personal reasons. So it's appealing to people on, on that, you know, human intimate level. Yeah, I mean, and I can think of some examples of brands like that, 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 I mean, there's this, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I really, I want them to win. I want to support them, mm. you know. And I, yeah. and I think you, yeah. you're right. You you get to that point, and and I mean, you'll go out of your way to to be a customer. They can make mistakes. I mean, obviously not over and over again, but they've got mm. you know they've got some money in the bank with you, and I, and I think that that's um, that that should be an aim for everyone. Um, no, this one I I talk about. We'll do a couple more of these, but uh, this one I talk about mm. all the time with people that that. Uh, and I'm not sure I got this exactly right. I was making my own notes, but nobody really sells what they are selling. I'm, I'm not sure I got the title of yours exactly right, but the concept there, I think, is so important to. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know we think we're selling commodities. Um, we think we're selling uh, cups of coffee or pieces of technology, and actually, what we're selling is the feeling. So if you go, let's go back to the Apple story, which is interesting because there were MP3 players out there before the iPod. Yeah, I had one. I had one, yeah. Uh, yeah, me too. My, and I bought them for my kids for Christmas and they, you know, never used them. They used them once, I think. And they talked about, you know, 32 megabytes of storage. And then when Apple came along, it was a thousand songs in your pocket. Yeah. And it was about changing how people feel, not what they thought or not what they did. So... Uh, you know, ninety-five percent of our decisions are not based on logic. They're they're based on gut reactions and how we feel about something. So I think that's that's something to really bear in mind when you're uh, marketing. We're not, you know, as rational as we'd like to believe. Yeah, but but I think the real key there is to understand what it is they are getting or what it is they think they are getting. And I think that's, you know, I. I um, I speak to a lot of odd groups, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in front of a group of 500 siding contractors, and and you know, I told them flat out, nobody wants siding. Do you guys understand that? <laughs> and you know, you could kind of see them nodding their heads. I was like, you know, so you got to you got to sell what it is they want. They want no maintenance. They want peace of mind. They want they want their neighbors to be envious. I mean, that, and that's what you got to sell. Um, and I think uh, I think uh, I think people understand that sometimes, but they don't take advantage of it. Did you get through to them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I really think I did. (laughs) And it's not also about duping people. It's actually about going deeper than and thinking deeper about your customer. It's 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 really about standing in their shoes. So this is not a selfish thing. It's not a, you know, I'm going to exploit people's, um, you know, emotions. It's actually standing in their shoes and thinking what's going to delight them and change how they feel not just to be utility in their world but to be something more than that yeah so another big one that you talk about in a new in numerous places so i'll just give it a category is because i think so so to me i think this might be the most important element for the typical small business and and that is Mm. finding some way to differentiate uh that matters um because you know and, and it's not good service, you know, fair pricing. I mean, all, all the stuff that everybody says. And, um, I, I, I had, um, again, I told you about the, the, uh, interview I did this morning with, uh, mm. the whole food CEO and, and, you know, he really, uh, 
said that he, you know, he asked all of his store managers, you know, what, um, I'm trying, I want to get, get it the right way because it really hit, it really hit me as what a great question this is. Would it matter to anyone if we were gone? Yeah. You know, and I thought, wow, yeah, that's a pretty powerful question. And, and yeah. I think that, uh, I think there are a lot of people, a lot of businesses that if they were to answer that truthfully, the answer would be no, because they have not found a way to, to matter. They have not found a way to differentiate. So the question is, how do I do that? Yeah. So my friend, my friend uh, Mark has uh, opened a tiny bakery called the Orange Boot in um, Saskatchewan, and if I've pronounced that correctly, I hope. Yeah, I think so. And, good. <laughs> and you know, they when they first got going, they just baked baked on certain days at certain times, and they only opened at eleven a.m. because that's the time they could get the bread out there and. You know, he's really built a following. He, you know, people do miss him when he closes over Christmas, and they're really happy when he opens in the new year, and they really appreciate, you know, how he's trying to serve the community and what he's trying to do there. Um, so it's go- it's going beyond. I think at, in this day and age, thinking about what, how do we make money from this idea? It's you know, how do we how do we become loved? Because I think if you become loved, you can. You're going to make money from your ideas. Yeah, that's that's funny. As I listen to you describe that baker, we have one here in Kansas City, and he does the same thing. He's only open three mornings a week, and when he's he uh, is only open until he sells out, and people just line up because it, it it's yeah. such an extraordinary product. Mm, that's the thing. I was going to say, I bet he's got lines out the door. Yeah. Hey? Oh yeah, yeah. You don't you don't get there late, particularly the holidays <laughs> when when people are getting stuff. But I but I think that 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 is such um, that's such an important element, and and it's a it's such a great place I think to to start is that you know that way to look at differentiation because so few so few actually do it. And in fact. I have an exercise you you can uh, you can use this with some of your clients because it, it just knocks them right between the eyes. <laughs> um, is to to actually ask them to go to their their competitors' websites, um, yeah, and and copy off that first paragraph and they just paste it all onto a page and then including their own and paste it onto a yeah. page and then black out any reference to any names and then pass it around their office and see if anybody can identify a <laughs> their firm and then the, the, the other, you know, competitors on there, because what, what they typically find out is, is they're all using almost the identical language. Brilliant. What I say to my, my clients is, okay, I want you to go to your website block out your logo on the top and read it yeah. and then tell me if anybody could take every piece of that and put it into their marketing communication how are you differentiating yourself yeah, yeah. did you see that really lovely video that's going around of the silver moon bakery in new york it would be really worth your no, audience's time time uh looking i might just send you the link and you might post it okay. with this um and this story is about this woman who's built this absolutely amazing business because of her passion for what she does and the attention to detail about everything. I mean, you might say it's easy to do that with a bakery because of, you know, smells and things. But on the other hand, there are so many bakeries out there and so much competition in that market. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. My my baker that I mentioned sells a loaf, one, one particular loaf for $12. Wow, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I need I need to get I need to get on to him and see what he's doing right. Yeah, so so I mean, speaking of other places, you you know, you can get five loaves of bread for that at other places. So yeah, you you've got to have something extraordinary. 
Yeah, same with the Whole Foods brand, I think. Yeah. You know, what what is it that they started out with? I think they started out with a big ideal. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, when you think about companies like, like Airbnb or Zappos, they're, they're all built around some big ideals. It's it's not the first thing is not, well, how much money are we going to make from this idea? Yeah, I'm a, um, a, a big Airbnb user. My, my wife and I find, have found some just tremendous places. It's so cool, isn't it? It is, it is. Brilliant fun. Well, I better let you get to your day and I need to, I need to get to my dinner. So... <laughs> um, uh, it's been lovely visiting with you. Uh, absolutely fabulous book. Um, uh, I, uh, you can get it. And in fact, I, I got a copy, uh, Kindle version now on Amazon. Uh, you can get it, uh, other places you want to, you want to share any other places that you would send people? Bernadette? Amazon is, is the best place yeah. to get it. Um, it, because it's, you know, it's universal. It's out there for everybody. So if they, if they just Google it, they'll find it there. And thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you. I'm a big fan of your work. Well, thanks so much. And, uh, hopefully I'll have to get over to Australia someday. I've still not, I've, I've not made it. So you, you keep keep an ear out for any uh, anybody looking for a small business speaker or something. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I, can, I can point you in the direction of some people. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do. All right. Thanks, Bernadette. Okay. Bye now. Thanks, John. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.